So this is a sutta from the Anguttara Nikaya, the numerical discourses, the Book of the Tens. And this is number 58. It's one of these suttas where the Buddha is uh, uh, teaching the bhikkhus about how to respond to particular questions. And these are a series of questions that these wanderers of other sects have asked the monks, <laughs> probably didn't know what the answers were. And the Buddha says, well, if they ask you this, and he, the various questions he asks them, and they all are, um, what are things rooted in? How do they come into being? How do phenomena arise in the mind? Where, where do they come from? Why do things come up in the mind? Where from? Why? Um, what do they actually crystallize around and um, get going on? What is it that uh, leads them? And uh, how do you get some perspective on them? How do you get to supervise these phenomena that arise in the mind? What is their, what's their fundamental nature, their core, their core quality? And what, where do they terminate and come to fruition? Um, so the Buddha said, well, if they ask you this, you should answer in this way. He says, uh, friends, all things, all dhammas, word is dhammas, which really means something like mental phenomena or um, qualities, are rooted in desire. Chanda is the word. It means motivation, interest. There's a certain... Uh, they come into being through attention. That is something, you know, attracts and something attends. There's attention. That attention means that that which was potential becomes more actual. Yeah. And you get sort of, sort of ignition point where you really are. You know, you've got a certain motivation and something catches the mind's eye and oh, it attends to it. As we attend, give attention to a thought or a memory or a hope or anticipation, plan, whatever, contact, something enters this moment, passa. Passa means something presses, it creates an impression. Touched. And what is touched? Jitta. Heart is touched. Could be agreeable or disagreeable. But it always feels something will be there. And so he says, well, they originate in contact, they converge. Everything comes down to, as it enters the mind, it comes together, it feels as a feeling. And that is where the mind and whatever the object is converge. That is, you know, at that particular moment when there's a feeling around an experience, the mind is converges in that, it comes together in that. Pleasant or unpleasant feeling as we can see, as we can witness, you know, things when they touch us, 
There's that moment agreeable when we really get it. Oh, that's that. Oh. Uh, and this process contact associated with what's called perception, um, meaning you get it, you understand, you cognize it. Oh, that's that. And it's associated with feeling. So with contact, perception and feeling arise. You, you get it and there's a feeling, oh, it's, oh, could be mildly agreeable, really wonderfully agreeable, slightly disagreeable or undetermined as yet. So we haven't really got down to it yet. We're still, this is feeling. Um, converge on feeling, they're headed by concentration. Well, actually the word here is samadhi. And again, it helps us perhaps to um, more thoroughly understand what this word samadhi refers to, because I don't think concentration is always such a good translation for it. It means as something is felt, the mind merges into that which is felt, merges into it, it becomes it. So that moment when we get something, when it touches us, the mind is merged, unified with that experience. And this is by no means samar samadhi. <laughs> it's not necessarily skillful right concentration. It's, it's the ordinary factor of whatever is felt the mind is grabbed by and blends into and merges with could be passion, it could be difficult, unpleasant feeling, it could be uh, uh, all kinds of things, but it, it's the mind at that time is, is united with that experience. And this can be, of course, you know, can be ecstatic, but it can also be deeply horrible, <laughs> miserable, um, uh, drives people crazy, unpleasant mental feeling. Mindfulness exercises authority over them. Wisdom is their supervisor. Liberation is their core. They culminate in the deathless and they terminate in Nibbana. All things are rooted in desire, in chanda. They come into being through attention, manasikara. They originate, they rise up with contact. They converge, they gather, they touch the mind, the heart with feeling. You don't feel it, you haven't got it yet. They're headed by concentration as feeling enters the mind, the heart, the mind, you know, is held by that, and merges with that. Mindfulness exercises authority over them. There's that possibility of st stepping out, uh, witnessing, this is a feeling. This is a feeling, it's like this. So, without aversion to the feeling or trying to make feel something else, 
or why I'm feeling this way or who made me feel this way. This is a feeling. That's the statement of mindfulness. It, it stops the circulation of proliferating thoughts. And that's very significant. Because it's the proliferation, this circulating of thoughts and emotions, that means that uh, feeling is not allowed to pass. It keeps getting recycled through this process of feeling, perception and activation. Emotion, you could say. Feeling, that's the direct quality of pleasure or displeasure. Perception, felt meaning. Uh, uh, they don't like me. I can't do this. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, that's great. You know, this interpretation. I'm a success. I'm a failure. Uh, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm a silly person. Oh, I'm doing worldly well. You know, that's perception. Uh, and then the, the activation, we start getting stirred up by that. And, and either it's pleasant, we get excited uh, and want more. If it's unpleasant, we get desperate and really try to find a way out of it. And we start fighting, struggling. Either way, this agitation of the sankara means that that stirs the mind up. The mind loses its stability and just keeps going into the very stirring itself generates more feeling. It brings more dhammas into it, as you can see, if you recognize. You know, when uh, something troublesome occurs, we get the unpleasant feeling, the perception, I've done wrong, I'm at fault, I made a mistake, I can't do this. And then the sankara start up, oh, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? And, da, 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 da. and they keep activating and we still haven't, uh, we're still keeping the basic quality of disagreeable contact going and circulating around it with more and more proliferating thoughts. So this process doesn't take us out, it takes us in. And um, this is causes people extreme distress, proliferation, extreme distress. Um, obsession, uh, breakdowns, uh, and or, or distractions, get me out of it, give me something to drink, uh, shoot somebody, anything, get me out of this turmoil. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and the mind is seized and merged in that to the point when there's a complete identification with that experience. Now, of course, the, um, the main <laughs> Dhamma teaching here it, you know, is that rather than why am I, how can I, what do I do to get out of this, what should I be, what shouldn't I be, will I ever, maybe I won't, and so forth. Mindfulness. This is the turmoil, this is the distress, this is the anxiety, and then bringing with that the inquiry, Dhamma Vijaya, what's going, where's the feeling in this, the perception in this? Just holding it steadily arrests the turmoil of Sankaras. It arrests it. Mindfulness is called the flood stopper. 
wisdom is that a supervisor, we want, having arrested the turmoil, on, looks into that, mm. wisely looking into it. And through that process, see, this is the, rather than this is me, I'm this, merged in this, no, this is the agitation, this is the felt meaning, the perception, um, you know, I, I'm not, I am, you know, and this is the feeling, disagreeable feeling, like this. There's nobody in that. This is just the mind spinning around, around feeling, around a perception. And all mental feeling is born of perception, that is, an interpretation, say we see something, oh, that's beautiful, pleasure. Now, the mind says it's beautiful. So therefore, the feeling is created by the mind, not by the object. The sound is beautiful, attractive. The smell, the fragrance, the thought is wonderful, brilliant, delightful. The process of thinking has taken me to some lovely, exciting places where things seem so clear. I love that experience. <laughs> so it gets, it gets uh, with this uh, perceptions, interpretations, you can generate feeling, pleasant feeling. And it's attractive. So there's the motivation to desire, the chanda, is aimed at generating pleasant feeling. And that's the basic motivation. And therefore, how can that happen? Attention is looking for that. And therefore, contact is made. And therefore, feeling. But as we all recognize, <laughs> it doesn't go very far because uh, you have to keep generating more of it, doing something to generate more of it. So, the, and then at some point, you can't generate any more out of it. it. It declines, the pleasant feeling changes, either just because one's losing interest in it or because something interrupts one's attention. You're having a good time, now I've got to go and do this now. Or I was really having a great talk with him or her, and then we got into this area where we were finding ourselves in conflict. Where did that happen? Or I was driving along enjoying myself, and then suddenly this memory of where I should be, oh dear, I've forgotten. I'm late. Oh my goodness, I should have done this. You know, so that nice pleasant daydream is suddenly interrupted by another thought comes up on where we should where we should be or what we're supposed to be doing now, we've forgotten about. So Decline of pleasant feeling is disagreeable. <laughs> and it, it has to decline sooner or later and go into the disagreeable. Uh, and then uh, if both motivation is towards agreeable feeling, then you've got to struggle around to get some more agreeable feeling going somewhere else. So this whole process keeps uh, moving around and this unsatisfactory nature. Yeah. So there's this, and then the merging brings around this is becoming. All mental feeling is aimed at becoming. 
What does that mean? It means that all mental feelings aimed at me being filled with that agreeable, pleasant feeling. I am saturated in it. I am nicely, pleasantly full of that agreeable quality. That's what I want. I want to become that pleasant feeling. I want to become a happy person. I get enough pleasant feeling, I'll be a happy person. I'll be a comfortable, assured, confident, balanced person. If I get enough of that good stuff. Yeah. And it could be decent, nothing nasty, just doing a few good things, helping here, helping there, reading a book, listening to something, talking. Just keep going up, be nice, you know, that's what I want to be. Well, <laughs> becoming, yeah. And, uh, but becoming doesn't work, <laughs> as we noticed, because something comes along that either interrupts the flow of becoming, something else happens that interrupts it, or of course that the, the, uh, the nature of becoming is it, it never actually stabilizes. So I was becoming quite happy by doing this, and now I want to do this and then do this and do not have that experience happen. You're trying to keep something solid, which isn't actually solid, it's essentially continually dynamic and flowing. Uh, but all mental feelings aim to becoming. And uh, because it creates a certain stability or apparent stability, it's not actually stable, it feels stable because for that time we are our mind is filled with it. Uh, but it's a bad habit because, of course, when unpleasant feeling happens, then we become that. And if all we know to do is become something based upon a feeling, your unpleasant feeling, uh, I, want to become some, I want to become some pleasant feeling, I want to get rid of this unpleasant feeling, I want to become agreeable again. And then this, the struggle comes, we have to distract ourselves or suppress things or, or we can't become the pleasant feeling. And therefore we start feeling bad about ourselves or blaming ourselves or blaming others or blaming life or blaming what happened five years ago for giving me this unpleasant feeling. <laughs> so it goes. There's no way out. Yeah. Uh, through that. But this is where, of course, with mindfulness, let's check. And you see how mindfulness is based upon body. Now, this is the way out, way out of the mind. You know, why this first foundation of mindfulness is so, is always there right at the beginning. Is you, wait a minute. Your body, feel the agitation in your body, and you can recognize when you feel agitation in your body, you feel the nervous system cranking up. Oh, yeah, there's also, you know, there's also the knees and the feet, back. That's not agitated, it's all around here is agitated, and the bits are not agitated. And that just gives you, ah, without fighting the feeling, I'm finding a reference to the feeling, which is the second frame of reference, the second establishment of mindfulness. Using this now I can witness feeling rather than just dive into it. 
So, as you know, if you're practicing and you have physical pain, then you can see immediately the mind focuses on that pain. It goes into it. It's like the pain attracts the mind. It may, may be in a pretty small part of your body, like maybe one leg or not even a whole leg, but just, you know, the knee. No. But all parts of your body disappear and the mind is drawn towards the feeling because it's interested in feeling. It, it's become habituated to, to, to move towards feeling. It's attracted towards feeling. Its attention is moored on feeling. It converges on feeling. <laughs> it merges with feeling. Yeah. And then it fights with it if it's unpleasant. So we say, okay, strategy here is just can you wind, if you've got pain in your knee, can you come up to be aware of your shoulder and your head? and your foot, oh, actually the painful bit is only occupying a percentage of the whole field of my body. It's still not agreeable, but now it's no longer so intense because my mind is not going into it and fighting with it. Therefore, uh, as it said, one feels the bodily dart, unpleasant feeling, the mind has got some relief. And this is even more significant with mental feeling because uh, mental feeling is only generated through uh, favoring or opposing. That is, we favor a particular idea or memory or we oppose it. We favor a particular plan or we feel dread. We favor our idea of what we could be in the future, great, 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 or we fear it, or we're worried about it. It's the fearing, it's the opposing and the, and the favoring that generates the feeling. Yeah. Right? Now, if you don't favor or oppose, there's a possibility for that whole dimension to disappear. And you realize, well, the future, we don't know. The past, you could, any number of things you could think about in the past, any number of things you could think about in the future, but why bother? Because, you know, it's all just construction. And why do we do that? Or why does the mind do that? Because it seeks to become. It seeks to become a historical person. I was this, because I was this, I'm this. And because I am this, I'll be that. And that, now I know where I am. I was this, you know, messed up. So therefore I'm like this. And therefore I suppose I'll be like that. Yeah? On a bad day, it's like that, right? You know, so that sense of becoming gives us a continuity based upon fundamentally a feeling and a perception. This is a bad habit. Um, it's rather like, but that's where it goes. If there isn't that supervision. It's rather like, you know, you, you have a valley 
middle of the valley is a stream, a waterfall, a stream and a waterfall goes down to a pool. Now, if you run down into the stream, you're going to go into the stream, over the waterfall, into the pool. If you fall over and roll down the hill into the stream, you're going to go down the waterfall, into the pool. Uh, so whether you fall over by accident into that stream or decide you want to go into that stream, you're still going to go over the <laughs> waterfall into the pool. So it is that even with things that you don't like, if you fall into them, you know, falling into them, nobody seeks unpleasant feeling, but we tumble into it, we go into the pool of becoming. Pleasant feeling, we jump into it, we go into the pool of becoming. Right? That only goes that way. Now, does this mean one doesn't have, can't feel anything? This is not possible. But once one has seen through mindfulness and wisdom that that's where that stream goes, you can walk beside the stream. Because you know, actually, beside the stream is a lot more stable than in it. And your intention then is not to go into the feeling, and the feeling is there, agreeable or disagreeable, but to maintain appropriate direction. Therefore, your interest is changed. Your desire is changed. Desire here, chanda, is not the same as tanha. Tanha is a pathological reflex of craving and thirst. Chanda can be uh, associated with uh, unskillful ignorance or it could be associated it can be a, a spiritual faculty through mindfulness and through wisdom you train your chanda your chanda gets trained your desire then is for wait a minute i think i'll stay with clear intention rather than focus on the feeling i'll do what's appropriate and sometimes what's appropriate isn't really that agreeable like I'm going to have a conversation with somebody about something rather difficult. Okay, yeah. Well, it's the appropriate thing to do. Um, I have to confess that I've made a mistake. It doesn't make me look good, but to be honest, not pleasant, but I'll do it. So when one's intention is focused on appropriate conduct, behavior according with virtue, integrity, goodwill, serving others, welfare of others, living in accordance with Dhamma. You set your intention there and sometimes it's associated with disagreeable feeling and sometimes it's associated with agreeable feeling. But that isn't really the point. The point is to have the clarity of intention. And what <laughs> And because you don't go into the stream, you don't have to go into the pool of becoming it. Now, that's the analogy. Now, what this works out as is when your intention is on skillful conduct, then you're not looking for the praise or the success or this means everything's finished, I did a really good job and so forth. You may have done a good job, but that wasn't you're not really focusing on it, you're just doing your practice. Um, what occurs is you, 
you you can act without going into becoming the actor because you're not the actor the mind does this the mind acts skillful conduct skillful intention acts who is that so we cultivate and we act without seeking a result it's a pretty fine balance but this is where wisdom comes in because you certainly learn if you're aiming if you want to have that feeling that sense of you've succeeded and everybody's happy you're going to be disappointed <laughs> you know I mean, whatever you do somebody's not going to be so happy with it or it's going to be there could be a better way of doing it whatever you do you know even the buddha himself i mean you know i mean he was a master still people disliked him intensely his own cousin tried to kill him seven times so he didn't you know even he didn't get success rates all the time but succeed or fail you act with right intention this takes you out of the pool of becoming this way dhammas qualities skillful qualities are allowed to come arise crystallize pass and there's a certain stability about that about where you're standing because there's no strain in that it's stable you're not going into that current there's a stability in it and that stability as you, you get interested in that because that feels like this feels more balanced it's not got that powerful surge but it's got a cool steady balanced quality to it that i'm interested in that so this is the liberation from becoming and the liberation from becoming the ending of the outflow of becoming is touch of the deathless the deathless element because it's stable it doesn't come and go it's stable territory and in this the asava the corruptions the biases this inclination we have to tumble into into the flood of feeling that is unbound this is nibbana the unbinding of this tangle of perception feeling formations self becoming and so on so this is one way anyway there's maybe other ways of looking at this particular teaching but this is uh, uh, how it seems to me to make sense so you know you look and you, and you can see how one wants to do a good job is that bad no it means set your intention on you know being skillful uh, whatever you do it won't be perfect it will pass there'll be somebody doing it better somebody won't always enjoy it you can find fault with it whenever i <laughs> do anything if i look back at it my mind can see oh that wasn't so good i could have done that I often don't, I don't, certainly don't read my own books 
not because I dislike them, I'm not interested in them. I've done my work. I'm not particularly looking to form a critique of it. It's done. Uh, you know, I did, I did what I could. Uh, and so, you know, because what's more important is to, to do one's practice and let the results speak for themselves. You have to claim them. Because the ground is more stable, the ground is steadier, and you don't fall into that stream. Yeah, you consider just how much one's searching for the future, thinking, what should I do? What could I be? What will I be? Will I be? Will I ever be? How can I be? And uh, yeah, what is that about? Unpleasant feeling. Unpleasant feeling of not being able to become something. Uh, but if we can handle that and trace it back to this sense of trying to create a person in the future and the, the fundamental unpleasant feeling that's occurring that's bringing that up, then you've got a chance to stabilize the tension around that, resolve the pressure uh, of becoming and craving, the craving for identity, the craving for solidity. We take solidity to be the result of becoming, but becoming is not solid. Nobody ever becomes anything solid. You just become more becoming. If we take the, flow, the movement into becoming as our place we're going to find solidity, it's constantly anxious. The place of stability is to step out of becoming. This is intention, this is feeling, this is perception, this is skillful, this is where it ends, this is where actions, intentions end. And of course, what's appropriate in terms of actions? Most of us are going to find also the quality of intention has to be that which is not too hard, not too pushed, not pushed forward, not hanging back, not slack, not tense, just a comfortable, steady intentionality in what we do. And this means we stay on stable ground. The, which is the deathless is the only stable ground there is. So, thought for today, and perhaps for many days, it's a pretty wonderful teaching, the Buddha's teaching. So, we can uh, reflect upon it and take pieces that have crystallized in our minds and work on them. I hope something's come out of that for you this evening. So I'll stop there. Thank you.